Okay, folks, from the bumpy streets of downtown Milwaukee, welcome to the Drop Zone. It's officially Ryder Cup week, and we are descending on Whistling Straits. Sean Zock, good morning to you. From the driver's seat, I, I'm going to try and drive and podcast at the same time. Hopefully if our legal team asks, Sean is actually a passenger, um, but uh, looking at him right now, I can tell you otherwise. In the passenger seat, we have... Luke Curtinine, resident Brit. Luke, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Dylan? It's a pleasure to be on the drop zone once again. I am excellent because this is going to be one of my favorite weeks of the entire year. Only made better, guys, by the fact that we're going to check into a lakeside Airbnb tonight. The perfect spot to unwind with our presenting sponsor this week, Arnold Palmer Spiked. If you love the classic taste of iced tea and lemonade, you already know that you're going to love this delicious drink. 5% ABV made with real juice and brewed teas for a smooth flavor that's as easygoing and iconic as Arnold Palmer himself. Sean, I think we're going to tip back a couple of these fellas tonight, right? The, the cool thing is that we've often mixed alcohol with Arnold Palmer drink mm-hmm. in the past and finally someone's done it for us uh, yeah I'm very excited to throw a couple of those back alright so here's what you guys need to do we would love for you to go to arnoldpalmerspiked.com slash drop zone that's arnoldpalmerspiked.com slash drop zone to pick up some Arnie Palmies of your own do Get it back celebrate the Ryder Cup and uh, and also support our, our brand new sponsor we would absolutely love that that's Arnold Palmer Spiked, 2021 Hornell Brewing Company, Memphis, Tennessee, malt beverage with natural flavor. Celebrate responsibly. Sean, what do we want to talk about today? I've got a couple different things to get off my chest. Okay. And I think we start today's podcast previewing the Ryder Cup with this extremely sober, zero context reminder of what the Americans have. And we actually, we do have the perfect person in the car with us to remind them. Um, let's think about October 2nd, 2018. This is the day after the Americans got bludgeoned mm-hmm. in Paris at the 2018 Ryder Cup. The day after you and I are sitting out there uh, on the steps of Versailles. Sure. And we're saying, what do we need to do better? What do we need to change in order for the Ryder Cup to fall in the Americans' favor? And, you know, it takes one a very savvy captain and it takes setup basically to to create some sort of advantage and if i told you that's that the captain would be steve stricker a man from wisconsin who would go to whistling straits a course set up already for the americans who would set it up even further in the americans favor by opening it up making sure that it was bomber worthy or, or bomber advantage and then not only that, but you would go from the team that we had in Paris, and one of those guys would get so serious about being the longest player in the game mm-hmm. that he would be an undeniable asset at Whistling Straits. That he would become the kind of player who would hit it 10, 15 yards past Rory, 20 to 25 yards past Rom. If I told you all that, you would be extremely excited to watch Bryson DeChambeau play this week. Absolutely. And now... I said that is the zero context reminder of what the Americans have in Bryson DeChambeau as an asset. But the context that is important is that he's not exactly the most beloved teammate. And so I, I find us 
that is the most intriguing storyline for me this week is how Bryson DeChambeau plays. Because he probably won't play five matches. We don't know who he should play with. We don't know if he is the asset that Whistling Straits and him seem to add up to be. Uh, and it, it's just a, it, there's way more questions than answers with the guy. And uh, like I said, we have the perfect person to answer the Bryson question. We have Luke Curtin and a guy who, who knows Bryson probably better than anyone else in golf media. The Bryson Whisperer. Yeah, so I, I actually think that, and it's quite surprising that Americans are like so selling Bryson's stock. Because I, I don't really understand what the negative argument against him doing this is. I mean, every, there is basically a direct correlation between him playing well in the biggest events and him chasing speed. We've seen that bear out. He's actually one of the players who's most in form, too. I mean, he almost won the BMW Championship. People forget correct, that. So. People forget that he, if he makes one or two or maybe three of those putts that he yes. should have made... Suddenly, Patrick Cantlay probably isn't player of the year. Mm -hmm. Bryson DeChambeau might be player of the year. And all of a sudden, Bryson is maybe the best player on the American team. Yeah, I mean, he lost to a guy who, in the strokes gained era, gained more strokes with his putter than anybody else <laughs> before. I mean, the, the guy's playing really well. He is... I think there's a lot of this, like noise sort of around the signal too where people are saying oh you know he's doing this this is terrible what's he doing what's he doing and really like i mean sean you've gone through one of these speed training sessions he does these two a day speed training sessions when he's trying to gain speed and the rest of the time he's basically just hitting iron shots trying to hit it straight trying to like prevent his hands from turning over he's hitting a lot of putts too dialing in his distances with his wedges but yet like that's not quite as uh, appealing of sort of uh, storyline as the oh my god look how hard he's swinging during the speed training session okay. extremely true that said if you had to pick someone at the Ryder Cup out of the 24 players here that might not be as mentally strong who, who could potentially be considered mentally weak between the ropes at handling people shouting things. I mean, he's kicked out more people from tournaments this year than anyone else on tour. Yeah, that? but here's the thing. We're talking about the Ryder Cup. This is where, you know, Patrick Reed is is overwhelmingly beloved at the Ryder Cup and not yeah, necessarily and not at other PGA Tour events. Honestly, I would have loved to see a world where Bryson and Patrick Reed played together <laughs> as a team, and I actually don't think this would have been that crazy. Um, obviously not going to happen. Brooks Koepka is playing. Reed is, is still out. But I think that the American fans are probably going to rally behind Bryson. I think they're going to love it. And I think he is going to love that. He, The dude loves putting on a show, and this is going to be a good chance. Especially, you know, he, he could hit three wood under this first green from like 350, <laughs> the way, the, uh, I mean, the way think, he's currently swinging Think it. back to a month ago at that BMW championship where – He's grabbing an iron off the first tee, and then suddenly, no, he puts the iron away and grabs driver, and the crowd absolutely lit up in Delaware. People lost it when he pulled driver, hits it up into the front bunker, splashes out of the bunker, makes the easiest birdie, yeah. you know, easiest birdie anyone really made that week, and that that is exactly the kind of thing that we could see from him on the first tee, and you're right. The American fans will cheer for anyone. They will cheer for the, the most villainous villain the other 51 weeks out of the year. But this week, they'll cheer for Bryson. They'll cheer for Bryson. I'm not sure that he should be playing uh, 
he shouldn't play both foursomes matches. I mean, if you look at a, a spot where Bryson doesn't necessarily make sense, it's in this alternate shot format if he's a little bit out of form. Obviously, if he's playing really well, if he's, you know, pounding drives and keeping them in play, he's a massive, massive asset because you get whoever his playing partner is 50 yards closer to the green with their tee shot. But there's definitely weirdness if he's off um, and if he's putting guys in really strange positions. And I think that's where you get awkwardness, resentment, all these things you've seen from players over the years. So, so, so I actually disagree with you there, uh, Dylan, because I, th- I think there's a lot of talk about Bryson would be great in foursomes, uh, in four balls, but not in foursomes. But if you think about the way Bryson's game is structured, right? He has a clear strength in his driving. His secondary strength is also way above tour average. His putting, his clear weakness is wedges, distance control wedges, and so to me. You could pair him, like, it actually quite makes sense to pair him with a short-hitting, good wedge player type. Because what's going to end up... Someone like Kevin Nah. (laughs) Someone like Kevin Nah. But, you know, like, someone who, for instance, like, Bryson can bomb one down there and leave his playing partner with a wedge into the green. Um, That, obviously, is like a, a movement that makes a lot of sense for both players. And then if somebody's a little shorter off the tee... Um, he's going to put Bryson in a position where he's not hitting a wedge into the green, which is his strength. He's going to be hitting an eight iron, a full a full eight iron in. So I actually think that I I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but I actually think there is an opportunity to like use Bryson in a creative way in that format. Here's the only thing, though, like that player doesn't really exist on the U.S. team. Nope. We don't We've gone really, all in on distance. We don't have Abraham Answer. We don't have Kevin Na. Uh, we don't have Brian Harmon. Man, imagine that. We could have had Brian Harmon on this squad. I don't know where Bryson is going to end up. I think he could play with Harris English, with Tony Finau, with Scotty Scheffler. Uh, I mean, I don't exactly know where they're going to end up, but certainly none of the likely players that he's going to pair up with fits that description so you do have this like opportunity for this bash bros thing like they tried with he and finau at the president's cup um but bryson does not have a good history it's a high risk strategy it's it's can we explain that oh and five in his career in in (laughs) that's bad play i think it's extremely bad played the first match at the president's cup and then didn't play again until singles which was kind of strange but look he is still one of the very best golfers in this entire competition i think we shouldn't overlook that it's just that that as we've seen with tiger woods does not always correlate to being the optimal partner but it definitely correlates to being the most interesting partner so i'm delighted to see what happens with bryson this week let's do the all 22s you want to run some all all twenty fours? <laughs> all twenty fours. All right. Let's Basically, go. Luke, our European delegate here, came up with an idea. He says, "Hey, let's treat this like a soccer match because we're trying to decide which of these teams is better. Are the Europeans better than the Americans when the the Americans clearly, on average, are ranked higher than all but one European player? Um, Luke is the European in the car. He's convinced." that the Euros not only will win, but that they are better, which is a blasphemous take. It's extremely wrong. Uh, and 
we're here to decide actually which of these teams is better. So how do we go through this? All right, so th this is how the game works. Basically, we're going to match up each player against their equivalent player. It's obviously a bit tricky because of the way the Europeans qualify. But if you did the Europeans points list first and then the world's point list, and then you just put them up against, you know, how... Mano a mano. I yeah, like mano it. mano against the players uh, in the order in which they qualified for the US team. That's how we did it. Yes. So I'm just going to run through these names and yes. then we'll just talk about each of them, right? So first up, Morikawa led the order for the US and he is facing off against Jean Rahm. So to me, it's a uh, pretty obvious who you would pick here. Yes, you have to take Rom. Have to take Rom. Yes. Best Morikawa is also, I mean, a little bit out of sorts. So you know, even ignoring the fact that, God, John Rom had a great, great quote by the way last week. Only guy in this field that played last week, and he pulled out of his pro am because he had a uh, stomach virus. He, he said, you know, I could have played the Pro-Am, but I would have really held the group up because we would have had to make a lot of stops along the way. So that was just some good insight into John Rahm's kind of fluid situation last week. <laughs> anyway, he's still sick Rom. I will take over anybody in the world right yeah, now. We'll give you that. Sick Rom over potentially sick Morikawa. Not necessarily a course or a layout that you think would suit Morikawa, who's a little shorter, but um, obviously has proved that they're wrong I before because he's just such a good ball striker. Yeah, is Morikawa, is Morikawa not like course free? That guy, that guy can win anywhere. He can win anywhere. It, it's more, it's Morikawa versus his own form, basically. We've seen him get in little ruts. We've also seen him rise to the occasion in major championships that he's never played before. So. Yeah, I mean, he is sort of course proof, but I, I think John Rahm, top to bottom, one is Europe. generally one o Europe. Yep. Next up, we got DJ versus Tommy Fleetwood. <laughs> who, 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 you can't who, actually take Tommy. What are you talking about? I can't actually take Tommy. <laughs> he was like a hero at the last Ryder Cup. We've all seen the pictures. We've yeah, seen the that? putts like go in. Three years ago? Luke, you were maybe like 30 years old back. You might have been 29 the last <laughs> time that the Ryder Cup was played. That's a long time ago. I, I, see, this, we're going to get into this, but this is exactly the reason why Americans lose Ryder Cups. It's because they just look at the stats, they look at the pictures, they think the putts going in is all flukes. And the, the fact is that Tommy Fleetwood clearly has a knack for this event. I really hope that Luke is going to just pick all 12 Europeans. He's a fantastic ball striker who channels all that sort of emotion and learns to putt during these Ryder Cup weeks. Proven partner, easy to pair other players with. And DJ is sort of a little out of sorts. He's not had the season since he won the Masters that we would have expected him to have. So I think Fleetwood is a pretty obvious pick here. Okay. Tommy Fleetwood lost his PGA Tour card. I don't know, <laughs> like, we're acting like this guy is, you know, just been torching his way through the FedEx Cup. He had a couple decent showings on the European Tour. I mean, DJ could be a major champion at this golf course if he'd read the signs yes. in the locker room. So, yes. I mean, it's a pretty uh, ideal golf course we, for him. I'm comfortable calling this one a draw. Wow. All right. I think it's DJ. This is DJ. It's two to two against one. I don't. Did I say it was? I, I'm comfy being a draw here. Oh wow! It's one right. versus one versus one versus a draw. Well, you started it by saying that you can't be serious <laughs> to pick Fleetwood. Well, so I kind of thought is, that that was you stating your position. Fleetwood has had a better summer than DJ. That's the bottom line. 
DJ has been out of sorts. So until he shows up and actually starts playing like the player that he has been, playing like the 2020 Masters champion, who literally a year ago was playing as perfect of golf as he probably has ever played, yeah, I'm probably going to have to, we'll call it a draw. Wow. Okay. We'll call it a draw. Next up, we've got Bryson versus Terrell Hatton. Okay. We're definitely taking Bryson. Terrell Hatton is probably the, playing worse than anyone in the field, potentially. Is that true? I mean, it's definitely it, it, it's an, definitely unquestionably Bryson. He's, he's, There's yes. no... We can move on from this one, right? I, I, I actually do think Bryson. I, 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 like I said before, I think Americans are discounting the possibility that this little uh, mission that Bryson's been undertaking may just work out really well. He'll end up bombing some three sixty yard drives, wedging in, get out of there with a couple points, and uh, and sort of just be a net good for the U.S. team. So I'll, I'll go Bryson. I don't really know what Tyrrell Hatton has been doing. He just mm. he hasn't been playing much golf. He's missed four cuts in his last six starts. And, yeah, I mean, he's only played, besides the, the playoffs, he just didn't really play much this summer. So, I don't know. Maybe that's the perfect Tyrrell Hatton preparation. But, no. Bryson. All right, one, one, and one to this point. Who's next? Next up, we've got Brooks Kepka versus Bernd Wiesberger. <laughs> wow. I think Luke just said B-U-R-N-T, Bernd Wiesberger. <laughs> I think uh, that's what Luke just ordered at Miss Katie's <laughs> Diner in Milwaukee yeah. this morning. Uh, all things considered, the fact that Brooks is probably still rehabbing a wrist injury, uh, I'm still going with with Brooks Kepka. Are we real? We're not. I mean, no. I, I, come actually, on. I actually do think Bernd Wiesberger may play well Bernd, this week. Bernd, Bernd. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, with the caveat that his wrist is a bit scary for American fans, I, I, think, uh, I, think, I think Brooks is the pick here. Can you say Burns' name again? Burned Fiesberger. Burned. Man, this one is tight in my mind. Tighter than it should be on paper because, like, Kepka is in some kind of way here. He's got, you know, his best pal Bryson on the team. That seems like it's going to be awkward. He really, I mean, he pulled out of a, very very lucrative golf tournament just a couple weeks ago uh with an extremely hurt wrist he hit a root very hard i he's been he's been in and out of form like crazy i still think because he likes these well a he likes playing golf in wisconsin he likes these big golf courses he likes the big stage and he's gonna have an extra chip on his shoulder from all this stuff that's come out of his golf digest interview and paul azinger saying he should stay home and I mean, I think it's Brooks because he's, like, got enough fire in him to overcome whatever's going on physically. But, yeah, this is probably closer than it looks at first. All right, so next up, we've got Justin Thomas versus Rory McIlroy. Potentially oh. the matchup of this little game. <sighs> yeah, this is as good as it really gets. This is the two people that played off first off the tee in Paris against each other, and Justin Thomas won. Yeah. Against uh, Rory, I believe it was like two up. They got to the 18th hole. One of the more entertaining matches uh, of that Ryder Cup. Look, you're not going to find me backing Rory or McIlroy, mainly because that dude has also kind of been all out of sorts. And what's weird is that he takes his hat off, he becomes hatless Rory, and he plays just differently, really good, really, really sound golf in the Ryder Cup. And so you... You can't have all the confidence in the world in JT. But at this course, 
I don't think the greens are actually going to be running too quickly. I think Justin Thomas's putting will probably be fine. I think he's going to get paired up with speed, so he's going to be. I know. I don't know if we're allowed to like consider that during this like little uh, this little game. I think Thomas has a lot of things in his favor. I think he's going to play five matches. I'm sure Rory will play five matches. This is as close as it gets. Uh, I would be comfortable with the draw, but I'm leaning towards JT. We just drove by a sign for the Bog, which is an underrated Wisconsin public golf course. And I feel like each of these guys has been a little bit in the bog recently in their own way. JT, I mean, but like each in a way where they're still posting respectable finishes, but they look a little bit lost while doing so. JT on the greens, Rory trying to decide what shot shape he's going to play uh, or with a wedge in his hand. I think that you've got to give the edge to JT just based on the fact that, you know, He's just he's just hitting the ball better right now. He's more consistent, and if he finds the putter, which I think with all these fans, I I kind of like that to even out whatever's been going on upstairs. And he's just going to focus on actually making putts. Plus, Rory is not going to be hatless. Rory, they've made custom hats for him this week, so that's not a good sign for Team Europe. I guess the edge is to Justin Thomas. So I guess I'm on an island in picking Rory McIlroy. Um, I'm, I'm like in the middle of the water between islands. The fence sitter over here, Sean Zock in the driver's he seat. You two do seem quite, you know, on the fence about this. I just think, I do like that Justin Thomas clearly really embraces playing in the Ryder Cup, right? Yes. Like he clearly enjoys it, which I kind of think is at the core the reason why players tend to play well in the Ryder Cup, um, even though that's a bit of a boomer take. But anyway, back to Rory. He just likes it. <laughs> he likes it. He needs it more. Um, but I just think with Rory McIlroy, he's really elevated himself into being the kind of like emotional, spiritual like leader of this team. We've seen him play, uh, take younger guys sort of under his wing, guys like Thomas Peters at Hazeldean, and get the best out of them. We've seen him sort of stand up to like and like be the flag bearer for the team uh, in difficult situations like in Hazeltine. We see him step up to the challenge. You know, somebody has to go out first and take on the form player of that Ryder Cup uh, in Justin Thomas at France. And Rory's the guy who raises his hand and does it. And we've also seen him do that multiple times now. Where What we saw with Justin Thomas last time around was obviously very impressive, but it was just, you know, it, it's, it's a little few and far between in terms of like Okay, so these are extremely good points, Luke. I I think we're gonna have to call this one a draw as well. Oof. Um, Pick a side. Only be, only because no, it's true. I'm excited to see Rory play with like a really good European player. Uh, I'm I'm very curious to see what Padraig will do with Rory because he's not playing the best golf of his life. He was playing better golf in 2018. Um, but he's always been kind of sacked with people that aren't that great. Like, he, he got paired up with Andy Sullivan in the first session uh, at Hazeltine. And Andy Sullivan played like crap. And then he got paired up with Peters and things, like, looked really good. And Thomas Peters, you know, I don't know whether he, he peaked that week or, or what. He hasn't played that great of golf in the years since then. But in in Paris, he's... Rory's paired up with Ian Poulter, who, like, yeah, he's he's very good in the Ryder Cup, but ultimately Ian Poulter's, like, an, an aged-out kind of guy. He didn't necessarily even need to be on this European team. I'm excited for Rory to get paired up with, like, Hovland, or if they just put all their eggs in one basket, 
during a, an afternoon session and say, we need Rory, you and Rom go and play together and be our absolute horses. I want to see Rory actually get paired up with someone who's really strong and see how good that team can be because they're probably going to be better than any American team they'd be going up against. Yeah, I, I do enjoy seeing that too, but I do think like the fact that a guy like Rory McIlroy exists on the European team is a good example of why I don't like when uh, Ryder Cup fans overstate the like top to bottom strength of a team. You know, like the reason why Europeans have had quote unquote weaker teams and still ended up winning is because you have the luxury of not just benching your uh, sort of lower ranked players or, you know, your worst players, for lack of a better term. And you also can hedge against them, right? So you, when you have a guy like Rory McIlroy, whose scoring average is just like pretty consistent, pressure isn't going to affect him as much, may even get slightly better because of it and then you can go blood a rookie by going out and playing with him the, it, it, it sort of helps uh, minimize your yeah. downside risk in some way and, and and I think Rory has just reached the point where he almost expects that he almost wants it right he wants to take a young guy you know like pair him with a Lowry who I know isn't super young but is a rookie like I feel like Roy would truly embrace that challenge and I think that there's sort of all sorts of intangible stuff that just makes him uh, such a uh, it makes him the pick for me all right well two americans one european and two draws to this point dylan who's next next up we've got patrick cantley versus victor hovland patrick cantley <laughs> versus victor hovland this is obvious right a fascinating well yeah i, th I mean i think it's clear who would you say i feel like patrick cantley is the obvious pick why uh I mean, he's just one player of the year, FedEx Cup champion. He's he's won multiple times in the last couple months. Victor Hovland, where's his PGA Tour victories? They haven't really happened all that much. So, do, are we in agreement here, Luke? Uh, no, yeah, it's uh, unanimous. I would go with Patrick Henley. I do think the uh, form going in is sometimes a bit overstated because, sure. you know, I, I wouldn't pay too closely attention to like a guy who putted really well at the BMW Championship yeah, a when month a month ago mm -hmm. and in an entirely different format. Um, that said, Hovland's like wedges are a little sketchy. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, clearly Patrick Cantlay is one of the best players in golf right now. I think he's the pick. Pretty cool thing about Hovland is... Uh, just how many people on the European team want to play with him. Padraig Harrington basically had his his stats team, his assistant captains kind of pull all all the other players on the team. Who, which you guys want to, like, who would you like to play with? And all 11 other players said, you know, Victor Hovland would be among the first people I'd like to play with. He's just that solid of a ball striker, extremely predictable, uh, kind of rises to the moment at, at major championship courses, especially this past year. So Hovland's good. Uh, Cantlay currently is better. Yeah, Let's I mean, it's sort of a per like Victor Hovland won the BMW International Open earlier this summer. Patrick Cantlay won the BMW American version. And I think that that's, you know, it's kind of like, when it comes down to it, that's a good representation of what we've got going on here. Team USA versus Team Europe. I think Patrick Cantlay, you could argue, is the, the best player on the American side right now. And I think if he and Xander play three, even four matches together, that's, that's my favorite American team. So maybe that's a transition to our next pairing. I'm not sure. Three Americans, one European. A couple draws that tend towards the European mm. favor, though. But next up, we've got Tony Fanal versus Paul Casey. 
Fe sorry, Tony Finau there versus go. Paul Casey. Um, so I'm clearly going Paul Casey here. Wow, I think he's because he's, he's, he's a good ball striker with tons of experience in Ryder Cups. Very malleable. You can play him in either format. Sort of knows the drill. Very likable guy within the team room. And I, of course, Tony for now I think is too. But I just think, <laughs> but I think Paul Casey is just, you know, the seasoned vet version of what Tony uh, Finau could be in the uh, American team room. So yeah, I think Paul Casey. I think it's funny you mentioned this because weeks ago after Tony Finau won the Northern Trust and was a buzzsaw on Sunday and just kind of puts pressure on Cameron Smith to hit a really good tee shot there on uh, in the playoff hole, I was thinking, I was like, you know what, Tony Finau playing like this, this version of Tony Finau is something that no one on the European team really wants to get matched up against. John Rahm might be the best player in the world, but Tony Finau could beat him even if John Rahm's playing good. That's how, that's how I think how good Tony Finau can be at his best. And it was ironic because that day I'm talking on the podcast to Dylan and I said, Tony Finau playing like this is something a guy like Paul Casey wants none of. Paul Casey doesn't want to have to go and hit first from every single fairway. He doesn't want to have to hit first in every single hole, try to catch up to Tony Finau, one of the best birdie machines on the entire PGA Tour. I think Finau is the obvious choice. Dylan, settle this bet. Paul Casey. Wow. <laughs> Paul Casey's been the better oh, golfer man. over the last three months, over the last six months. If you kind of break down the strokes gain numbers. Does Paul Casey win anything? You might anywhere think. Anywhere in the world? Yeah, he wins Ryder Cups, sure. He does win Ryder <laughs> Cups. You yeah. might think that he Finau's been hot Cup two sessions ago. because of the way he closed out. But, yeah, look, it's Paul Casey. This is Paul Casey's final Ryder Cup spotlight moment and um, I think he's just you know we're not just talking about a singles match one-on-one -on -one here we're talking about who's going to contribute more to the squad Paul Casey's the man Bra bravo Dylan bravo on a good decision uh, next up we've got Zonda Chauffle versus uh, Matt Fitzpatrick <laughs> this, one's this may be the most lopsided in the entire competition yeah, right I'm Luke? afraid I'm afraid so I, I mean look uh, respect where it's due for Fitzpatrick's putting right a dangerous putter is always a weapon at a Ryder Cup but Zander's also a really good putter and he hits the ball further and he's a good iron player and uh you know I think uh you, it's certainly my, uh, Zander would get my vote on this one unanimous there was a time when when Matt Fitzpatrick I think would have occupied a like very different portion of this conversation, but he has not really been quite himself, especially lately. I think he had one solid showing this summer at the Scottish Open, right before the Open Championship, but overall he's just been out of sorts. He doesn't necessarily play big golf courses super well. He likes it when things are tough, but it, you know he's not one of the longer players. I know he's been chasing distance, but yeah, no. I mean, unquestionably, Xander Shoffley is built for war and uh, pretty clearly the better player. Uh, the only person in that group who, or in that pair who has played in a Ryder Cup is Matthew Fitzpatrick. I will give him that. I think that's kind of a, something I've been saying on this podcast for the last couple months is just there will be a lot of quasi-inexperience. There will be a lot of Ryder Cup experience on the European team compared to the Americans. What is that worth? I don't know. Justin Thomas has said that it is valuable for you to have played in a President's Cup before playing in a Ryder Cup. I think that's probably pretty easy to understand. 
Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay. They've played in President's Cups. Colin Morikawa has played in none. Uh, zero team events to this point. So there, I would there's counter, that. I would counter with this, which is that bad experience is useless. And it's like the Jeff Fisher argument, right? Like being a 7-9 and nine coach for one NFL team does not somehow make you a better NFL coach than someone that has not coached in the league. So wow. I think being on a bunch of losing American sides is no advantage at all. If you look at the numbers, rookies and captain's picks have done plenty well over the years compared to the general squad. Uh, captain's picks have actually really sucked recently, but uh, but rookies <laughs> have been you know totally fine. This team needs some new blood. Yeah, I'm not at all worried about that. All right, four, two, and two. Who's Four, up two, next? Two. Oh, this next one, I still haven't decided who I want. It's Jordan Spieth versus Lee Westwood. Oh my God! Don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. What are you talking? Lee Westwood is one it's of the most broken. is one of the most winning Ryder Cup players in history. Been there so many times before. Knows what it's like. Maybe I'm talking myself into this take. There's so many he, he, trophy cabinet is littered with Golden Ryder Cups. Can play with anyone. Everyone loves him. He's gonna he's gonna want this one. He wants redemption from his team. Uh, and so I think I, I don't know. I'm so torn. Do I don't know if any of that was true. Yeah. I, Th that's the thing. Does he actually have a trophy room that has gold all over the place from Ryder Cups? I don't think so. I don't think that's how it works. I don't think there's a Ryder Cup that Lee Westwood gets to take home with him. Are people lining up to be paired with <laughs> Lee Westwood? No. He's gonna be one of the shortest hitters out there this week. The only case for the only case for Lee Westwood is that Jordan Spieth has sort of tailed off in form the sure. last month or so. He has not been playing golf up to the standard that we really saw for you know the early part of the year. If Lee Westwood doesn't have that couple week stretch in March, yes, where he finished second to Bryson at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He's not even and, on this team. And finished second to JT at the players. I don't think he's on this team. I think he's an assistant captain. That's the difference between Lee Westwood hitting balls this week and watching dudes hit balls. And what happened since March, Jordan Spieth was one of the five best golfers on the planet. But it's ridiculous to say, like, oh, if, if only Lee Westwood didn't play well in these two really yeah. important events. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this, this is kind of what Lee Westwood does. Lee like, Westwood has, has not been inside the top 20 of any golf tournament he has played since before the Masters. This guy is not exactly in form. You can't agree with you, you know, you know, Phil Price, right, before the 2002 Ryder Cup, was so down on form, you know, he qual he qualified for the team, Yikes. and then they delayed the Ryder Cup for a year, and he was so down on form, he, volunteer he volunteered to take himself off the team. Yeah. Sam Torrance said, no, no, you're on the team, goes out and beats Phil Mickelson on <laughs> Sunday. Wow. You know, this is could be Lee Westwood's, or probably will be Lee Westwood's last hurrah in the Ryder Cup. And uh, I just I, 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 I may do a, a Sean Zuck half. I, I just oh I just can't bring myself well, to not. not You're outvoted. Right. It's now six two five. two five two two. I think five two two. That one felt like it counted double. Yeah. Who's next, Luke? All right, next up, we've got Harris English versus Sergio Garcia. Oh, right. yeah, now I, we're talking. I'm extremely comfortable taking Sergio here. I mean, one of the best Ryder Cuppers at European 
team has ever had. Um, the leading is, points scorer in Ryder Cup history. Is that now, right? Now very much in form. He's played good golf the last month or so. Harris English, is his, his golf has been nothing to scoff at. Uh, he's been in pretty good form throughout most of the summer. But I just don't think it matters. Like, which guy, if, if you're on the 17th green or 17th tee and it's all square, who do you think is going to win that match? It's probably going to be Sergio. This is, I mean, this is just classic Ryder Cup here, right? Because you have Harris English, who is, you know, 31 years old, going on 45, kind of a not a household name. But if you look at the numbers, he's been one of the best ball strikers, best performers over the last you know, half year, basically. He shows up in big tournaments, plays well at U.S. Opens. But when you look at it, it just doesn't feel like, I mean, there are plenty of people saying he shouldn't even be on this team, despite all that. Despite, you know, you could argue, yeah, he's been playing as well as anyone um, on the American side over that time frame. I love Sergio Garcia, awesome driver of the golf ball, and uh, just gets up for the Ryder Cup all the time. Yeah. I'll give the edge to Sergio. Yeah, Sergio's obviously the pick here. He's <laughs> got the track record. He knows the drill. He could play with anyone. Like he's, you know, he's been a spiritual leader of this team since uh, nineteen Um I, I will say, in Harris, in, you know, as a credit to Harris English, I do think. I mean, he's a good scrambler, which always helps, right? Like that. He, he's. Uh, I think he's. Uh, 10th, I think, on Torin Strokes going around the green um, or in that vicinity. He's also a pretty malleable player in that uh, I think you could pair him with Bryson and he'd be a pretty good uh, partner for Bryson. You could also do the alternate short, shot thing uh, I was talking about potentially with Bryson. He's a guy, you know, he's a good wedge player, Harris English, doesn't hit yeah. the ball. He's That's the closest said, thing you get, I think. Yeah, closest thing you get. That said, Sergio's the, the pick, so let's move on um, to Daniel Berger. Yes. versus Shane Lowry. Okay. Oh, this wow. Excellent. This is a good one. Maybe right. the two biggest X factors in the tournament or the, you know, the, the kind of each one you could see being a spark for his respective team, but neither one comes in, you know, super highly uh, valued. Yeah, I could, I could see Berger and Lowry each winning three points for their mm-hmm. teams. I could also see each of them playing three matches and, and getting shut out. Mm. Like, I, I want to think that Berger is is a dog, as we have described on this podcast. Um, but Shane Lowry is a major champion who has played a lot of golf at golf courses like Whistling Straits, um, or at least look and feel like Whistling Straits. Oh, man, I don't know if I can net out in either way, and I think I'm just going to leave it up to you guys, and I'm going to say it's a draw on my end. Shane Lowry seems to I think Shane Lowry's going to play really well this week and the reason why and I know it's a bit of a weird argument but he seems to have this gear in him where the moment never seems to crush him or like he's he's never working against the moment he always seems to work with it so like you know he won the Irish Open as an amateur right like he won the Open when it came to Northern Ireland you know to the first time it was back in ages to the island of and Ireland now that he's back in his native Wisconsin <laughs> I know where state type but I, I think that he is exactly the kind of player who just embraces the moment like he just has this gear in him and i know it's like a very like fluffy intangible take but we've also seen it over and over again where 
he doesn't seem to let the pressure of expectation crush him. He just kind of rides the wave. And so I, I'm going to take a flyer, and I think that Lowry is going to play uh, really well this week. The thing with Lowry is that he's not going to take himself out of many matches. I mean, he really is a steady, steady performer. Um, he's he's a probably an underrated irons player, I would say. I mean, he's known for being you know, having some of the best hands in the world. So it really comes down to his putting this week. Uh, and even more so, it comes down to just who he's playing against. Yeah. He's playing against someone that's pretty erratic uh, and taking themselves out of the hole. Lowry's probably not going to play his way out of a match. Yeah. I, I We were wondering who Rory might get paired up with. I think Rory and Lowry could, oh, be, it'd be could so fun. really get paired up. They were such pals at the Olympics, as they were Sean saw. as big a pals as you could really find on the course uh, in Japan. And so there might be something to that. One of my favorite moments from the Olympics was after Rory missed his putt to uh, to stay in the playoff for the bronze medal. He called over Shane, who had you know was just out there watching after they'd finished, and they just like kept looking at the putt. It was just such a kind of curious golf nerd thing to do. Like, man, can't believe I missed that putt. I played it right edge, and it was you know inside left or whatever they were talking about. Loved that moment. Would love to see them. The only thing I'd love more is if Harrington put himself in this lineup too. And then. <laughs> All right. So that wait, wh- wh- who did you choose? I took Berger. You took I didn't Berger. Really say that I just Luke talked about Lowry, Shane Lowry, and I took a draw. That comes out to five, three, and three to this point. One more, Luke. One more. Last one is a Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler versus Ian Poulter. Oh Poulter. my goodness. Old school oh. versus new school. I, Experience <laughs> versus rookie bliss. Yeah, I mean, Scotty could be that guy that we want him to be this week where he hits it a long way, is the scrambling maniac that he tends to be, makes a bunch of birdies, and is just an asset that you pair up with a really good player, a really good guy with Ryder Cup experience. Um or I could see him go out and, you know, be paired up with Tony Finau and maybe they lose like four and three and suddenly Scotty Scheffler doesn't play until the singles or something weird like that. I don't necessarily see that happening, but he's not someone that you should be relying on. Whereas in some ways, Ian Poulter has to play a bigger role for the Europeans, whether it is a three match kind of guy who is just a veteran trying to make Victor Hovland comfortable, trying to make sure that everyone on the entire team understands the stakes of the Ryder Cup and how you come back in a match, whatever. I think Ian Poulter's role is more important for the Europeans than Scotty Scheffler's would be for the Americans. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I think what it comes down to, sort of like with Lowry, but but the American equivalent is Scotty Scheffler's putter. If if you're pro-European and if you're you know looking down this squad saying, look, these guys can bash it all over the place, but they can't make putts when it counts... I think that would be the knock on Scheffler. He is a great ball striker. He seems really well suited for this golf course, but he's just not that good a putter. So I think I'm just going to take Ian Poulter because, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me six times, shame on me. And that Ian Poulter, is he's never lost in singles. He's a goddamn maniac, and he was built for this week. So got to stick with him. Yeah, I'm, I'm clearly going with Ian Poulter you know the guy 
not he doesn't just step up in this event he also at this point has that weird psychological edge where the guy steps on the tee and american fans is like oh no Are ian poulter American soil that matters. Yeah, I, I think so. I think fan there is this baked in expectation among Ian Poulter, among American fans, among European fans that he is going to play well this week and that ball just gets rolling. I I, I also just want to say I don't fully understand I, I feel like Scotty Scheffler's come into this with like a lot of hype from the sort of golf US golf Twitter yeah. uh, uh warriors because I look at Scotty Scheffler and I think, oh yeah, bright young thing, clearly a very good golfer. Wouldn't surprise me to for him to be sort of a nice surprise among the the rookie class. But he sort of, it seemed like public opinion was him breezing into this team. Yeah. He hasn't won on tour yet. He's sort of racked up some low-end top 10 finishes in, in majors, which is impressive. But I, I just think some US fans are, are counting their chickens a bit before they hatch when it comes to Scotty Scheffler. I think that I think that might be true, Luke. Um, Scotty Scheffler hasn't had like a well, he hasn't he hasn't won on the tour yet. He almost won the match play, but that was back in uh, I think April, maybe. So there's a lot to to still be answered by him. What I want to know now is like, what would it take for us to wipe the Ryder Cup sheen off of Ian Poulter's aura? Because, like you said, he hasn't lost in singles. Fool me once, fool me six times, whatever. I just don't think that we, as Americans, American fans, should be worried about Ian Poulter. I really don't think so. So what does it take? Does it take him going out against Spieth and JT and losing, like, five and four? Does it, does it come on Sunday when DJ beats him six and five? What does it take for us yeah. to be like, you know, Ian Poulter, your time here at the Ryder Cup is over? Well, I think that I don't think he's going to get overexposed. I actually don't see him playing more than three total matches. I think they'll yeah, send him out agreed. once each day. Maybe only once prior to the singles. You know, you at know all. look, I don't want to I don't want to demean him by calling him a mascot, but I think that there is value in just having him around, um, firing everyone up and and playing with this sort of chip on his shoulder. It's like somehow Team Europe keeps coming in as underdogs. I mean, because well, of basically are. the process that we just ran through. <laughs> yeah. But Poulter, despite always winning, keeps coming back and playing with complete freedom, it seems like. And and feeling like he only has something to gain from the Ryder Cup, where it feels like the Americans come in every time with the burden of only having something to lose. Yeah. And then and then they always do. I think Poulter will get when he when he plays with someone, it'll probably be alternate shot. We saw that in Paris. He played alternate shot with Rory, and they were sneaky, really good. Um, he'll get paired up with someone who's better than him. Obviously, I think lowest rated player in the field, um, regardless of the experience. He'll probably get paired up with someone really good, and they might win. And he'll just keep riding the Ryder Cup wave, which will infuriate me, frankly, because I don't know. I'm just kind of tired of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, look, I think one thing the European team needs to be careful of is like returning to the well one too many times, right? Like, and I think 2016 at Hazeltine was a good example of that backfiring. They played Lee Westwood in that uh, tournament three times and he finished with zero points. And I believe there were six rookies on the European team. Um, couldn't even field all of them on the first day, which is generally a very European team sort of best practice. Uh, this is the kind of, so I don't think the sheen's ever coming off Ian Poulter, but this, 
you know, this could be his last Ryder Cup. And it would certainly be annoying if he did the sort of Lee Westwood thing that he did in 2016, where he finished with zero points and ended up playing a bunch. When he was supposed to be the guy who makes a young guy feel at ease, and he was the opposite of that. He was a burden. So that's that's the definitely the worrying thing about you know, having a guy like doing the Ian Poulter thing and rebooting it once again. That said, like, you can't not leave Ian You can't not put Ian Poulter on this team. So you sort of just have to let it ride. Yeah, but you were the one who was like, I want Justin Rose so badly on this team. You can't have Poulter without Rose this year. Um, before we close, we are approaching the exit we need to take to go to Whistling Straits. It's been rainy and gloomy and a little breezy here, southeastern Wisconsin. Feeling somewhat European. Feeling somewhat European. Um, Mother Nature will take care of us as the week goes on. Who is your most valuable player and least valuable player prediction for the week? I'll, I'll start out. MVP for the week is going to be Tony Finau. Wow. He's going to rise to the occasion. He has been playing pretty good golf despite what Dylan said earlier. The guy won very recently, won his way onto the team, is a big bopper, course sets up great for him. I think he's going to play in the first session. He'll play well in the first session, and then he'll get run back out there for a second. Suddenly he's 2-0, and then you can't sit the guy. Plays five matches, scores four points to the Americans. He's my MVP. It's going to be Xander Shoffley. That's my MVP. I absolutely love I love the team of Cantlay and Shoffley. I think that they're the best American side, even a little bit more than JT and Spieth. Um, I would love to see them play as much as possible. And, you know, I mean, it's really a crapshoot for me between Cantlay or Shoffley, but I was looking at the... Uh, at two, some most, in, two most recent pros that Dylan's uh, spent time with. I was looking at some... Well, I don't think like a three-minute Zoom call with Patrick Cantlay really sways me, but um, I was looking at some of the investment opportunities available on uh, on the internet and Shoffley was available for most points scored at 16 to 1 which seemed certainly overinflated if he plays a bunch with Cantlay they'll have the same record and if Shoffley wins his single singles match on Sunday that would put him over the top with uh, with a total of four points for the week so he's my MVP are we doing LVPs or no? Let's Luke, who's your man of the match first? So my man of the match, uh, looking at the European team, it's a bit of a boring one, but I think John Rahm, you know, if, if, if this isn't a Ryder Cup uh, stage for him to step up upon, like, I'm not sure what else could be, right? I mean, he really established himself in the last Ryder Cup. You, you Spaniards have a fantastic history in this competition, and he's coming in, uh, not player of the year, but clearly I think the consensus best player in the world at this point. Uh, I, I think that this is a guy who's going to be playing a ton of, a, ton of matches. Uh, his game is so well-rounded and seemingly consistent that you could do all sorts of different things with him, both in terms of who you pair him with and uh, format-wise too. Uh, got a bit of fire to major champion. So I, I think it's all lining up for Ram to be the sort of man of the match MVP for the European team. What a bold take. The number one player in the world, man of the match. No, I wouldn't be shocked either. Least valuable player for me, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Oh. Guy who doesn't hit it a long way. Guy who hasn't been in great form. Guy who, who do you, who do you pair him up with? 
guy who probably won't play five matches, but is he's high enough ranked on your team. He's got a Ryder Cup experience. You feel like you got to put him out there for a few matches. So he'll probably play at least three, maybe four times. Uh, and I see him kind of getting just finding himself in the fairway 80 yards behind Bryson. And uh, that might just be on repeat for, for Matthew Fitzpatrick. He's my LVP. Dylan, who you got? It's funny. Before I, I, I state my LVP, I think it's interesting. There's not a true who's that guy on Team Europe this year. And that feels like an essential piece of, you know, the Andy Sullivan. I guess Sean's looking at me in the rearview mirror, and I think he's saying, well, who the hell is Bernd Wiesberger? But um, it's always nice to have some real X factor that even most golf fans don't really know who he is. They really have, like, gotten the band together for this one. My least valuable player. Oh, all right, I'm, I'm wavering between a couple guys here. I think it's Colin Morikawa. Whoa. The top-ranked American comes in with high expectations. Famously, bulletproof iron play. But when when thoroughbreds get a little bit off, you see if guys are dogs or if they're not dogs. And I think we're about to find that out with Morikawa. Hopefully he's a dog, but I think we're... Uh, I think it's still in question. So I think the potential least valuable player here is uh, is Brooks Kepka. Now, uh, for a few reasons, uh, his record coming in is actually quite good. Four and a half points in his last eight Ryder Cup matches. So pretty solid for an American, must be said. For an American. Uh, <laughs> um, but this wrist thing is a lingering concern. Um, you know, he... With his record being quite solid as it is, there's this expectation that he is going to play a lot and play well, I think. Um, you know, if, if, if Brooks Kepka shows up to this after a season of needling, uh, you know, one of his teammates, right, that being a consistent distraction, uh, playing, playing obviously hurt, let's say, and in a way where it's clearly damaging his game. And then, you know, this uh, it was a fantastic Golf Digest interview that he gave last week, but also caught, kicked up a bit of a stir too. There's a lot of baggage that Brooks is bringing to this team, and he's sort of okay with that, kind of likes it. And he his formula is, I, I, I embrace it, and then I play well in spite of it. But you've got to play well. Uh, otherwise, you're left with all negative stuff a bit like the patrick reed in france situation right when when you don't play well when you don't let your game do the talking it can start getting really poisonous and negative really quickly and uh, lather that on with this this lingering wrist thing that nobody quite knows what to do with i could you know i think there's a lot of downside potential for brooks and a lot of american fans who could end up if things go south saying what is this guy doing to this team should he you know if he's needs a pick next time around should we be looking extra close to this uh you know look i hope that doesn't happen but <laughs> I, I feel like yeah, i feel like a real you, shame says luke i think part of you wants brooks to be the least valuable player well, I, I, I don't like i guess what i'm trying to say is like it's such a negative state that brooks could potentially find himself in yes. so, he could he could be at the center of such a furious overreaction i think because of all the stuff preceding this that i don't really wish that on anybody that said like he has sort of made his bed a bit with this um and you know his only way out of it is to play well 
And if he doesn't, that is like a formula for least valuable player. All right, we've made it to Whistling Straits. We're driving by some final cornfields before mm, we turn into- This looks like Wisconsin to me. One of Wisconsin's finest golf establishments. Uh, we're gonna be back with another preview podcast once we've really felt the air on our face and the grass beneath our feet and uh, maybe talk to some, some golfers. So keep an eye out for that these next couple days. Until then, thanks for listening.